We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. A friend of mine asked me the other day what one of my favorite childhood memories was. And the moment he asked me, a memory popped into my head that I had not thought about for years and years and years. And it definitely was not the memory that he was expecting that I was going to tell him, nor was it the one that I thought was going to come out of my mouth either. I remember sitting next to my grandma on her couch in the TV room. This is the TV room where my grandma set up her ironing board every Monday and did the ironing after she had pulled the clothes from outside on the clothesline to dry. She had one of those amazing old washing machines that had a ringer on it and so she would wash her clothes and then wring them through a ringer and then put them in a basket and take them outside to let them dry. That was the way she did things for as long as I could remember. She she had the idea that you, you use what you have until it doesn't work anymore and then you can go get a new one. She came from the era of the depression and I remember one of her favorite treats was buttered bread with sugar sprinkled on top. And I thought it was an amazing treat too. Lots of carbs and lots of sugar. I didn't understand that there was a tie to the depression when they didn't have a lot of food. And so that was one of the treats that her parents would make her and her siblings. And so I'm sitting by my grandma on the couch and she's playing a word search game because she always said that playing word search games helped her keep her mind active. And as I'm sitting there snuggled up to her in her skinny body, I noticed that the skin underneath her arms was floppy. And so I began to flip it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm pretty sure my grandma did not appreciate me flipping her skin back and forth, but I loved it. It was so fun. And we giggled about it, about how her skin was kind of flappy. I was adopted and my parents were afraid when they brought me home that my grandmother in particular wouldn't accept me because I wasn't blood. But the moment that she laid eyes on me, she tells me she felt a special connection. And we had that special connection throughout my life. Every time that I went to her house, she called me her boy. How's my boy? I love you, my boy. I loved going to my grandmother's house. I loved flapping her arms. I loved that she had this favorite candy from a chocolate shop about 40 miles away from home. And so whenever my grandma and grandpa went on a road trip, they'd always go to the candy store and buy this box of chocolate. And then she'd come back and she had it wrapped in string, this white box wrapped in red string. And when people would come over, she would delicately untie the string, open the box and let them have one piece, just one. You couldn't have more. Well, every once in a while, she'd let me have two. 
As my grandma got older, however, she began to suffer from memory problems. In fact, she got into a car accident and had no recollection that she had hit anybody because she drove home and put the car in the garage. And when my grandpa came home, he saw that there was a big old dent in the side of the car. And he asked my grandma what had happened and she didn't remember. And he had to do some investigation and found out that she had actually been in a car accident and she didn't remember. Shortly after that, my grandmother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And my grandpa did his best to take care of her until she was unsafe and needed to be put into a home. The last time that I saw her was in that nursing home. She was looking off into the distance with that vacant stare as if no one was home. And I sang some songs that she recognized. I liked to sing, she loved to hear me sing. And so I sang some songs that she recognized and her face lit up for a moment and she looked at me and she smiled and I cried. And for a flicker, she was there and then she was gone. Sue Johnson, in her attachment work, has an exercise that she often asks couples to do as they're trying to figure out who their secure attachments are. And you imagine being a child and being scared and all alone and then turning to someone who could be there for you. And the picture that always comes to my mind is my grandma being there for me giggling with me as I'm flapping the skin in her arms. I made a lot of mistakes since my grandmother passed away, and I often wonder how she feels about me. I wonder if, if she approves of me, if she loves me. And then, as I'm wondering that, and I'm thinking about all the shame and the sadness that I felt because of the mistakes that I've made. And I think about snuggling up with her on the couch and I'm wondering if she'll put her arm around me. I imagine that she does. And I imagine she smiles that same smile and I can almost hear her say, you're my boy. When we think about the wounds of loss, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, abuse, those attachment wounds. We often are hurt the most by people that we love, people who are the closest to us. Could be parents, best friends, grandparents, peers at school, spouses, partners. It can be anybody who ends up behaving in a way that causes us pain. Hopefully, however, we have people in our lives similar to my grandmother who have been able to be there for us, who were people with whom we could have a secure attachment, people with whom we knew that we mattered and that we belonged. As I'm working with clients and trying to help them work through some of the attachment wounds, one of the tools that we often reflect upon is who was there for you in your life? I use the term attachment angels. These are people that were in their lives that 
when we're thinking about the painful parts of our lives, we sometimes forget that there were attachment angels there. I can think of a lady down the street from my house, Mrs. Ricks, who was an attachment angel for me. She was always kind and loving, and I loved going over to her house and just spending some time. These can be teachers, these can be other friends, or other people that even you run into for just a moment, but you feel blessed and secure and supported by them. So who are some of your attachment figures? How have they blessed your lives? What have they done to help you remember that you are loved unconditionally? I'd love to hear your comments about who some of your attachment figures have been. You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. If we added value to your life, let us know or give us a rating. Before you go, subscribe to the show and get new episodes as soon as they are published. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. And don't forget to grab your free copy of the Amazon best-selling book, The Art of Peace, by going to www.troyllove.com. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.